Welcome back to the Carl Vibe podcast. I haven't done one of these in a little while because I've been boots on the ground, and that's actually a little bit of a teaser for our guest for this evening, Chris Bartell. I'm excited to bring him on here, but really quick, I wanted to update everybody. You know, I haven't done a show on here for a while because I've done um, a whole bunch a while ago earlier when I was doing the UFO Disclosure Symposium. They lined up so many interviews for me to do back to back to back. I was just basically swamped with a ton of those, and then I had an entire presentation to do uh, up on the live panel. Uh, up at that symposium in Vernal. And then uh, there was able to do a lot of really cool stuff, go on a lot of expeditions and adventures after that uh, with Chris Bartell. And he has opened my eyes. His experience with uh, working at Skinwalker Ranch and previous military experience at the Nevada test site and other locations has made him um, a really close friend of mine and a really valuable colleague. He's one of those people that helps me prevent myself from catching uh, what we've nicknamed skinwalker fever. And maybe we'll talk about that just a little bit tonight too, how you can kind of catch a frenzy where everything seems paranormal when you get into certain locations. And he's really good at keeping a, a clear head through all of that and keeping the research on track. And so we've been able to go on a couple of really awesome research expeditions. Uh, we've uh, gotten to uh, do some really interesting experiments together where we've even synced our minds together doing meditations in ancient locations. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of that and more tonight. So uh, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and bring in my good friend, Chris Bartell. How you doing, Chris? How's it going, Carl? Man, thanks for having me. Good seeing you again. <laughs> you bet. So we haven't done a, like a podcast like this together. It's going to be kind of funny because... We've had so many like big conversations, good conversations and amazing experiences, even since the last time that we talked. And I, and I think that when you were on this show last time with me, we hadn't even met in person yet. Is that right? That's right. We haven't even met in person yet until uh, June of this year. Right. So we finally, uh, how did that, I'm trying to remember how that all happened. We, we were talking online and we ended, was it up there at the symposium? Were you up there for that? No, it was shortly after that. It was, um, you know, I reached, I saw some of your YouTube videos about the petroglyphs and the native American connection to the phenomenon. I'm like, wow, this guy gets it. Like he really gets it. So I reached out to you and I said, you know, Hey, I really appreciate your videos. You're onto something. It's kind of the same thing that I was doing at Skinwalker during my time, linking those two, the history with the phenomena. I thought that was, you know, very important. And then uh, then we met up shortly after that symposium, I believe. Or no, it was before. We met up before the symposium because the symposium was in September, I believe, wasn't it? Right. Okay, so we met up in June. I'm trying yeah, to remember. Yeah. See, it's all blurred together. Isn't that yeah. funny? Because we've been on a couple of trips now. Cause oh, actually, we were... no, right. It was after the symposium. Yeah, I'm sorry. We yeah. St yeah, stayed a little bit after because I was up there. I did the presentation and all that on yeah. the Ma Magic Mesa Right. Uh, and then we did a whole bunch of like other expedition stuff around. So we yeah. we we didn't go to Skinwalker Ranch and the headquarters there until the very end. Maybe we should walk everybody kind of through that whole trip. Like we yeah. we went <laughs> up. Uh, man, we we were up and around Blind Frog Ranch a lot. That's what we were doing as we were up there. Right. Yeah. With, with James, you know, James Keenan had this uh, basically a battle plan of 
things, uh, areas that he wanted to check out. And so we kind of just followed where he wanted to go. And I took you guys to the other location by Skinwalker um, off the beaten path that nobody's been to yet. And um, then we went to McKee Springs. We went to McConkie Ranch. We went to Blind Frog Ranch. We went up to uh, Paradise Lake up there where that mound was at. And then we got lost in the woods. It was, it was a great experience, man. It, it was all we're just listening to the wind and, and traveling that way. So it was really cool. It was a it was a great time. Yeah, that's one of the things that people don't understand. And we can we can talk about your experience at Skinwalker Ranch, but a lot of like how we met and why we're doing a lot of stuff together is because we're allowed to do more like peripheral research around these locations. Whereas like uh, the people who are the cast and crew on Skinwalker Ranch and around some of these spots, you know, they're tied up in the TV shows and a lot of other other programs and different things like that. So it's difficult for them to go out and get involved in other places or where there's other shows happening and everything. And we don't have any of that red tape necessarily. So like, let's say there might be something geologically up in the Uinta Basin that's contributing to the phenomena at Skinwalker Ranch. And with James Keenan and and you and I, we all, you know, we got to go up and do all this extra stuff where we're looking for petroglyphs, we're looking for underground mm-hmm. cave systems and aquifers and abandoned mine shafts and all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, like, how how long ago did you get to know James and start doing all of that. And then I kind of want to talk about like how all of it compares with your original work at Skinwalker Ranch compared to what you're doing now. So that's good because I was kind of going over this in my head today, how we all have linked up together these last couple of years. And, uh, you know, obviously in uh, October of 2019, I read about OSAP program and in regards to Skinwalker Ranch and I'm, I was kind of confused and, um, you know, I reached out to people and, and was met with some kind of vague responses. And then, so I'm like, well, I want some answers here. So that's when I made my online uh, Twitter profile and started posting pictures of the ranch, because for me, the ranch became a very beautiful place to live and work. And I wanted to show people that, that energy. I wanted to bring that energy to people. And then that, got me talking to other people who have been investigating Skinwalker Ranch and the Uinta Basin. And James is one of the guys who had been out there investigating around uh, the basin. And so we uh, got in contact together a couple of years ago and he was doing some research for me and I was doing some research for him. And then two years ago, we linked up in Vernal, Utah and we went up to Blind Frog Ranch and um, some other areas around there as well to do some boots on the ground, um, you know, no TV show involvement, just me, him and, and Dwayne Olliger. And we found Spanish silver on the property out there on blind frog ranch that goes back to 1810. And then we found all the native American stuff that was out there, the, the, the site. And then, um, just trying to kind of piece everything together. You know, me and James come from law enforcement backgrounds. So we have a different mindset where we view a lot of this stuff as a crime scene. So we're trying to collect, as best as we can, you know, hard data or evidence. And we got along very well. And I was like, man, I can't wait for the next adventure together. And then we planned the trip that we just did in June. And then before that, me and you met, and I'm like, we got to bring Carl out there as well, because you're on the, on the war path as well, 
to trying to find the connection with the phenomenon stuff. So that was a very unique experience. Everything kind of just fell into place. It really and, did. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, and that path did take us all the way into the gates of Skinwalker Ranch and into the headquarters. And, mm -hmm. you know, I was able to hike out and look for petroglyphs on the Mesa there. And you even took me around to meet some of the original people from the good old days at Skinwalker Ranch. And that was a huge eye opener. But right. before before we jump into that and like everything that we've been working on together up to now, since we've met and started uh, collaborating and working as colleagues and all this, I kind of want to go back to the beginning a little bit, like right when you first started at Skinwalker Ranch, because right. I know that, you know, we've covered a lot of your previous work history and your background and some of your paranormal experiences and, and things like that when you worked at the Nevada test site and, mm -hmm. and the different jobs that you've had. If people want to watch that, I'll put the link so that you can go check those out after you watch this interview. Uh, we have a whole other one that we've done with Chris that's really awesome that gives a lot of that backstory. But um, just I, I kind of want to bring it up to speed so that like everybody has an idea of how far we've come through all of this and we can get as right. deep as deep as you want. I know right. other people are starting to post more things. I know Brent Stone on Museum of Tarot is starting to touch on things a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But in the beginning, what was it like? Like, what was your perceptions of what the job was going to be? So like, how was that when you first got interviewed that you were going to be working at this place? Did they call it Skinwalker Ranch? Did they give you an explanation and tell you? what was going to be involved, what you're going to be doing, or was it just straight up like a security job kind of bring, bring everybody yeah. up to speed what that was like. Yeah. When I, when I, so it's kind of a crazy story, but uh, a short, a short way how we got there, how I got to Skinwalker was basically because of my reputation and my background in at Nellis air force base and the DOE. And uh, I had got hired at area 51 first for the part-time gig. I was looking for a full-time gig and that led me down the path of making more contacts and calling people up. And that led me to a friend of mine that I used to work with that Nellis as well. And he was in charge of the detail for Skinwalker and um, we didn't call it Skinwalker Ranch. He just said the ranch. And he, mm -hmm. he just said, he pitched it to me and said, Hey, it's just a ranch in Utah of some rich guy that we have to secure. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> it was a very vague uh, answer. And mm -hmm. so we met, at the um, VA hospital in Las Vegas where they were still building in the parking lot. And he kind of gave me more of an insight of like, yeah, there's um, this ranch in Utah and there's weird things going on out there, paranormal related. And that's all I can really say. And then that led to an interview with Colin Kelleher and, and my partner that I knew. And uh, the, the typical uh, interview went with just normal security questions at first. And then it went to, um, you know, what are my thoughts about the paranormal? Am I open to that? Mm. And at first I didn't know how to respond because I still had an active Q clearance for the DOE. And I'm like, if I say what I want to say, like, yeah, I believe in UFOs and I believe in ghosts and they're going to, I would lose that clearance 100%. And um, now in 2022, it's a little more um, open, but back in 2010, you didn't talk about that type of stuff. So I, I just decided to answer honestly and said, yeah, I, I'm totally open to that stuff. And I've had experiences and I went into a couple of experiences that I had some in the Air Force, some for the DOE, and then some of my experiences before even coming in the Air Force here in, in Kansas. 
And then you know, a couple of weeks later on Boots on the Ground at Skinwalker Ranch, and the job was basically what we're told is, you know, protect the property, make sure there's no trespassers get on there, um, and also collect any data and report anything unusual. Kind of a blanket statement, you know. And, um, you know, the, after the first week of being, being up there, I was ready to write off Skinwalker Ranch as just a, a normal ranch like it was in Kansas that I grew up on. You know, there was nothing up there that I viewed as paranormal. And honestly, when I first got up there, I can, I was, I wasn't the really the the team member favorite because I was debunking some stuff that was going on for a long time that people thought was paranormal. And I'm like, no, it's not, and, and I debunked it. And then the second week, I had a couple of experiences that were just very odd and bizarre, and that kind of flipped me, flipped me back around. Like, okay, I need to take a more of a patient observer approach here and really see what's going on out here. And, uh, and then, you know, years and years go by out there and, uh, that led down different paths and different discoveries and different experiences. And, um, yeah, it was a very unique experience that changed my life forever, you know, um, not just my life, but also my family's life. My wife and I were just talking about this tonight, you know, here it is, you know, years later, and we're still kind of talking about the past of what my time on Skinwalker and all, and all I'm trying to do is just close the chapter in, in my, in my life. So that way I can focus more on my kids. And I feel like meeting you and James and Brent and Chris Lato has, and Taras Matla from the university of Maryland specifically has helped me close these chapters in my life where I'm able to focus now more on the Mount Wilson and other places that we're at, which I believe are more positive than my time on Skinwalker. Mm. It's so interesting because, you know, they asked right out of the gate in the initial interview, like if you had paranormal experiences and that did they did they do you remember if they came right out and asked you if you had any near death experiences or out of body things? Did they specifically ask that? I honestly can't remember. I don't remember that. Um, yeah, I don't remember. They, they, uh, they might have, but I don't remember that specific question, no. Because I know Paul Smith, the uh, I believe Paul Smith, the remote viewer who lives in Cedar City and teaches remote viewing. He came from Stanford or uh, that whole program out of the army that was doing remote viewing, you know. Yeah. And uh, Joe McMonagall, he was like one of the head remote viewers. They all got that same kind of lineup of questions. And I just found that interesting. It just popped in my mind, that connection of like being asked right up front before you come be a part of this program even though they didn't really even know what the program was about up front really they were asked if they had paranormal experiences or a near-death experience and that was one of the key things that joe mcmonagall had had like a near-death experience where he had like died and gone out of body and then after that had all these psychic abilities and stuff that right. amplified and so i wonder that's so interesting and the reason i asked that is because we know that the connections to all of this are all interwoven now but yes. back then when you first started at skinwalker ranch did you have any idea that there was connections with stanford or no. psychic psychic spy programs or anything <laughs> like that at all absolutely not none at all i mean it wasn't until probably when me and you and james started putting pieces together that everything started making more sense like there is something else going on you know obviously and we've kind of proved that now with the last trip we just did in Mount Wilson, where we really connected the dots, you know, and 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 dug in and did our own investigations. Um, 
And that's what a good investigator does is they go in and they really do a real solid investigation, which is not just taking people at face value. You got to dig into people's backgrounds and, and find out what their motives are, what was really going on, because sometimes you'll find out that the narrative you're invested in is not the narrative that you're told basically. So it's, um, yeah, back then, I had no idea about a lot of things. I didn't know about the radiation on the property. Obviously, that's been now documented. Um, it it was bizarre to me. Like when I started finding all the Native American artifacts and reaching out to people that had been out there previously, and nobody had found this stuff. I thought to myself, "How could you miss it? It's blatantly obvious that it's everywhere on this property, and it's so important to document because right. for the first time ever." There's physical evidence that can lead to who was out here on the property, not just the Utes, but the Fremont Indians, and maybe even before then because of the Paley artifacts I found in the Eastern Valley dates back you know, over 10,000 years ago. So people were naturally drawn to this area. And that was my biggest, my biggest focal point on Skinwalker was focus on that Native American foundation. And that's when my whole experience out there changed for a positive. Like I've said it before, with the Skinwalker Ranch specifically, if you stare in the darkness long enough, the darkness will stare back. I saw that property legit tear people apart because they focused on the negativity so much and I allowed that fear to absorb them and eat them up. And the first year I was out there, I kind of felt suited to that as well. You know, there was times out there alone where I was scared to death, like not just on the paranormal aspect, but also the fact that there was trespassers at the time that wanted to do harm to us you know so all this overlapping layers of of stress and and you know possibilities of danger that you're encountering every single night alone um i don't think anyone will ever understand how how it was back then because to this date nobody's ever done that type of um uh, detail out there and i'm not talking just going out there and visiting but when you task a group of prior military veterans to secure a site they're going to do it but when you when you have them by themselves out there, they're still going to do it because your mission mindset orientated, you don't want to fail. So you right. have to expose yourself into the dangers. And then on top of that, collect data and try to collect evidence because you want to produce for your boss and, and all that stuff. You want to make your employers happy. So it was, you know, looking back now at all that stuff and I go back to my photography during that timeline, it brings me back to exactly how I was feeling back then. And sometimes it was very dark and sometimes it was very positive. But once I had a real good focus, which was the Native American stuff, everything kind of changed for me, you know, on a positive level. That's the thing that's interesting to me about kind of your history there and your work there is that you kind of found your own footing and grasped through the photography and getting out and exploring the Native American artifacts and the ancient history of the location and connecting with that in like a really genuine way. But, and I think that like, that's something that you found on your own. And I find that really fascinating because we have the team that's working there now, like Caleb and, and Dragon and Thomas and all those guys. And um, first of all, a quick side note, while you were working there, nobody else working there at Skinwalker Ranch knew that you were still actively working somewhere else, did they? No, no I, uh, nobody knew I was working 51 also because obviously when you work for 51, you don't tell anybody you work for 51. So that was just a side gig that I was doing. But 
I didn't tell anyone because I was kind of waiting for a, because I was waiting for a full-time position to open up at 51. Mm. And then I was going to transfer over, which I did eventually. And then I eventually came back to, to Bigelow aerospace, but that's a whole different story. But yeah, nobody really knew that I was, people knew that I worked for the air force and I worked for the DOE, but nobody knew that I was working for, um, it was a company called CSC computer science mm. corporation who held the contract at the time for security for 51. That's gotcha. who I was. Yeah. So that, and then I was working the Janet detail eventually. So do you find, does that give you kind of any understanding or sympathy for Travis's position when they kind of, when he came out as the head of the UAP task force and all that, or is that different and questionable to you? Or what are your thoughts that, on that? I'm kind that, of taking a tangent here in the story. No, yeah, that that when Travis came out and and um, said he was part of the UAP task force, it's like, well, let's really break that down. What that means, it, from what I've done my own research and seeing the players involved in that organization, I don't see anybody with a DOE background or Air Force background or even a fifty-one contractor background. I see people who who are very smart, who have lots of degrees, um, who are very educated, and who've been you know working for you know the army or department of army or whatever else but that's my number one question when people come out as you know they want to say they're part of a task force or whatever my first question is, is where have you worked at and if it's not the nevada desert out there or association with it then that really doesn't mean anything because you're what you basically have is people who are observing technology that they're, they're not aware of mm. you know because they haven't worked in those sensitive areas because I'll tell you right now, if you if you're on public TV or if you're a reality TV star, if you have any type of social media presence at all, you you are not going to be given the secret keys to the secret city. That's not how that game works. Right. Even when I worked for the DOE, I mean, if you if if anybody's listening, how many people from the DOE do you physically know? It's a very small group of individuals because they play a different game here. It, the secrecy is real. So if you are on any type of TV show, you're not going to be granted access to what you what you want to be granted access. And the reason for that is because because you're a, a star celebrity or you have an internet uh, presence, you can be um, manipulated by outside countries. They can blackmail you or put you in a situation where discredit your reputation and use. And I've seen it. That was part of the briefings that we got when I was in the DOE. You know, you will not have a social media presence. You won't be using your real name. And that's specifically for 51. So, I mean, for for, for Travis's um, task, I felt like he was kind of set up for failure, maybe. You know, he's, do, he's doing the best he can. He's smart as a whip. He's, I mean, he's smart as hell. He's, he's smart. And he's, he's been involved in lots of cool projects and he's done a lot of things. But um, he hasn't really worked the sensitive areas that you would think he would work. I know he's uh, tied up now with Radiance Technologies him and, and, and uh, Jay Stratton and Radiance Technologies uh, also work for Nellis Air Force Base. Well, Nellis Air Force Base is basically the, the, the foundation for all the Black World projects in Nevada. So there is a way to, to kind of how it links all together. But still. It's so interesting. Yeah, because it makes you wonder in some of these spots, it doesn't make any sense. He'd be on the TV show, but have this other role that he has the whole time. But right. in, in a weird way, he kind of did it. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, this, there's this group of people I've noticed, especially when I first got on the Skinwalker Ranch. And, you know, I, it reminds you when I first got the Skinwalker Ranch, I was coming from the DOE side of the house 
of like real specialized programs with real objectives and real uh, SOPs and operations and stuff. And it felt like to me that there was a group of individuals who've spent their whole careers from the outside looking in, wanting to know the secrets of 51 or these other sites. And even up to Harry Reid attempting to, and he he got denied like twice for a special access program. It's because it's a different game that's being played there. So they were never allowed into that inner circle. So I always kind of felt like, I had a I had a little bit of an inside idea of how things were going because I had already come from that world, you know, right. and um, and I still feel like there is this to this day that there's a group of people who are doing their best to disclose information what they believe is alien technology or whatever, and maybe it is or maybe it's not, but um, there is still that group that's out there who are still looking from the outside in. Hmm. So what was your understanding then, like when you would go to work at Skinwalker Ranch day to day, like I know it's totally changed now since you've left there and since we've started talking and looking back and trying to understand it all with hindsight is a totally different perspective. But when you were there for that six years, what was your like understanding of the job besides just like, I mean, sure, it was like, you're going to secure the property. When you look around at your coworkers who are there, these are all former military or currently work on other side career jobs in that type of field. And what was your understanding that you were hiding or protecting or looking for when you woke up and went to work? What did you have like a task list? Like you're supposed to do this. And did that change? Did you get assignments or was, tell me what that was like. At the first, when I first got hired, there was more of kind of a direction of what they wanted. They want us to spend more time at like Homestead 2 and attempts to try to make contact with the phenomenon with EVP sessions, you know, sitting in a lawn chair, you know. So like, so like really quick, how would that come in? Like would that come in from Colm? Would he like uh, send a fax in or like would a fax come in or how did that happen usually? Uh, it was kind of shoot by the hip. You know, there was no, there was some weeks there'd be no direction, and then all of a sudden people would be scrambling to do a project or do experiment out there, and um, it was usually guys right underneath column who would give those orders out or give that direction out, like, hey, this is what we want to happen, this is what um, what we're gonna do, and then you would go out there and, and successfully complete that objective. And for the most part, you kind of just felt like, you know, we talk about the dogs being a biosensor out there, but we were kind of more of the biosensors out there because Hmm. it was our, through our experiences that data was being collected basically, you know, and, um, and pushing yourself out there. So, um, and then, and then after, after the, the project ended, basically the offset program ended, it was just left up to us to do whatever we wanted. So there was no, direction whatsoever at all it seemed like nobody cared at all so you can be up there for two weeks and probably just sit there and watch netflix and nobody would even care it felt right. like they cared more about um long-term exposure out there maybe the, the side effects of being exposed out there you know so you mentioned like you, you mentioned that so like that you know you had no idea throughout that whole time that there was radiation but is your no. is it your understanding that that maybe other people were aware and you were left unaware on purpose or that there is definitely uh, NIDS NIDS knew that there was radiation out there. 
and they never disclaimed, they never told us about it, but they said it was fleeting radiation, meaning it was there for one minute and gone the next. Um, I know that because as of right now, I've got an intel and I've gotten enough evidence of, from people talking to people and also emails and stuff to clarify that, yeah, NIDS knew about it, but they never passed that on, which I thought that was completely unacceptable because if there is unseen work, if, if there is some type of unseen dangers out there, that needs to be disclosed to your guys out there. Because I'll tell you, I was, I was towards the end of my time on Skinwalker, I was sleeping outside on the, on the rocks with the dogs because I felt very comfortable being out there. And I realized my time out there was very precious and, and limited. So I wanted to make use as much as possible. And I felt like the more I immersed myself into that environment, the more layers were being pulled back. Like I was being shown these artifacts or finding these artifacts or other areas of interest, you know? Uh, but yeah, that, that was never passed on to us. But then that makes sense because nobody came out there during my time. Nobody did. There was no group of scientists. There was no column wasn't there. Big one wasn't there. It was just me and a couple other guys kind of holding it down and the ranch managers, but the ranch managers for the most part stayed inside their house the whole time, you know, and no fault to them. They were much older. They couldn't really go around like they used to and, and maneuver around the property as much as they liked to. Um, but we were, it was just us out there, us and the dogs, you know, and I'm like, I made my time useful out there by digging into the native American stuff and then working on my photography as a, as like a, a way to pass the time, you know, and also it's kind of a form of uh, not protect, not protection, but I felt like uh, using my camera kind of helped me maybe expose some of the unseen phenomena that I was missing, you know? And uh, so it was, uh, it was more of a spiritual evolution time for me on the ranch because you're out there alone for two weeks with your thoughts. And then with the task of securing and looking for data and then, you know, you're working these a crazy amount of hours from like, you know, morning to night till you know early in the morning and then you sleep at homestead one you're not going to some hotel and checking in for the night so you're constantly in this kind of red zone operating mentality where you're distressed to the max but um then fast forward now and we realize that there's even geological energies or maybe things transmitting energies or frequencies or radiation underground that can even put you in that consciousness state right. where you feel like you're being chased or you're in this constant state of fight or flight you know or feeling yeah. like something's going to creep up on you like in a paranormal state of fear that those are real things that we're starting to uncover and, and we can touch on that here in a little bit i just find it fascinating that you know a lot of our bond and friendship has come because you know even when i came close to skinwalker ranch and started touching on the phenomena even around uh, where I live, going to ancient locations, I started having these bizarre experiences, you know, seeing shadow figures, having this hitchhiker type phenomena, mm -hmm. out of body type dreams where I you go try to go to bed at night instead feel like I'm floating out through the ceiling and flying on the astral plane and all that kind of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. But then when I talk to you, it, it borderlines this interesting area because I intentionally started trying to understand out-of-body travel and remote viewing and astral projection. And I started doing different variations of meditation and even the, the gateway method from the Monroe Institute. And I came at this from a whole different direction trying to understand it. 
But here you were at Skinwalker Ranch all these years ago, uh, and you were walking around there patrolling the property, but you were also doing some very interesting stuff. Like when you would go into Homestead 2 or whatever, they were having you do experiments that at the time you really didn't have context for, right? You were just... Correct. So maybe describe some of what that was about, because we'll tie that all back in to how this all fits together in a minute. But what when they said, you know, go around Skinwalker Ranch and try to make contact, what does that yeah. mean? What did, what did that mean? How did you try to make contact? Yeah, they, they believed that there was some type of intelligent phenomena out there that we, we hoped that we would make contact with somehow. And through that contact, maybe get plans for uh, reversing um, some type of aerospace technology or consciousness uh, elevation or whatever. I'm not too sure, but it felt like, um, <laughs> it felt bizarre, man, but it's like nothing I ever did before, but I was totally in tune to it. Cause I, I felt, I knew there was something weird going on out there, you know? Um, and then, you know, we did this remote viewing experiment on top of the, you know, we were doing something, we would be in Homestead too, sitting in a lawn chair, but then we did another experiment where we had vanilla envelopes inside the garage across from Homestead too. And that, that experiment only lasted probably about a month or two where we would sit around at Homestead one with a giant plexiglass board and somebody would ask questions and then we would try to, with our minds, see what was inside those vanilla envelopes. Hmm. And I wish I knew the outcome of that test because it was so bizarre, you know, and, um, it just, I mean, when you go into the, into this, the strangeness of, of things, you know, going back that time, none of us ever thought ever there'd be a TV show about this or even a podcast or anything. No. It was just a job that was kind of bizarre, but also I was already coming from jobs that was bizarre, you know, being exposed to technology and special access experiments before coming to school. So I was very familiar with that world. So when they asked us to do this type of stuff, it felt like, okay, no big deal. This is what we're going to do, you know. But we were never told um, the outcome of some of the stuff. And that was a serious problem for me because there was a massive lack of communication back then from the start. And mm. when you're doing a special access program, especially for a government contract, if you don't have good communication, that project is going to fail, which it did. OSAP failed, which is why it never got renewed. And some people say it was a great um, um, achievement and it did all these things. And at some aspects, it did. OSAP definitely pushed the ball forward when it comes to the UFO topic and disclosure topic, whatever. But also it failed tremendously because there was a serious lack of communication back then because we never got any feedback to being involved in these special in these types of experiments. Hmm. And even when we kind of pushed the issue, it was kind of met with um, – a mundane re reply you know there is a, a time where um i was doing a, a remote viewing experiment and i and i came back to las vegas after spending two weeks on the property and one of the senior officers who was underneath column came out to my truck before i left and he was like hey chris why did you answer this this and this on this question and i remember what i said i said well it was evergreen trees is what i saw in my mind and i said well that's what i saw in my mind and he kind of shook his head and goes and went, huh? And I kind of went like, what does that mean? Huh? What? And then he kind of just walked off and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? You know? Yeah. And so because of some of the lack of communication, it was very frustrating on my part 
um, coming from a very professional background with the DOE and Air Force, you know, I, I felt like we we're being more used as just uh, a data point. You know, nobody cared about anything else. They didn't care about us being exposed to the radiation, us being out there alone, uh, limited equipment, um, you know, officer safety. We didn't have one working camera on the entire property. When you watch the show, they have like 30 cameras everywhere. So it makes no sense why we didn't have not one working camera when our job is to do security. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. So there's all these red flags, you know, and then yeah. fast forward now, and some of those red flags are being taken down and answered. And a lot of them validated, which is validated. Kind of fascinating. Because, I mean, what I mean, what does that tell you, Chris, if you're doing remote viewing, you're sitting in a homestead one, you've got basically like a sheet of plexiglass or whatever, and you're writing remote viewing results, you're trying to see what's hidden in an envelope over in Homestead two or three, yeah. trying to like use your psychic abilities to, right. to re remote view or use telepathy to, to levitate a button in a jar or something like that. Right. But, but what does that tell you if you're not then brought in to sit at the table and you're part of that conversation to discuss the results of the experiment? Yeah. If, if you're not a part of the, arranging of the experiment, then that means you are part of the experiment, part of the right. test subject or the Correct. like a, a guinea pig, right? What, especially um, if you're never shown the results and like, yeah. what does that tell you, Chris? Unfortunately, that tells me exactly what, what you just said, it, a guinea pig, basically. And, and, and I'll say this, you know, in the military, that term gets tossed around a lot. You know, in the military, you're a guinea pig for you name it. You go through basic training, you walk down a line and people are injecting you with all kinds of vaccines and stuff. And then you, you get into the field, you go deploy overseas and you're around burn pits and you're around toxic environments. And, and they're just trying to see the cause and effect of what that does to soldiers. It's kind of the same situation here at Skinwalker, unfortunately. But this time we're all civilians here. So it's, it's even more unacceptable because it's, it's a civilian atmosphere. Um, you know, I'm not and I'm not overseas anymore. I'm here in Utah, for Christ's sake. So it's like I shouldn't th then this is why the project failed. And if, if if they are using us as guinea pigs, which it looks like they were 100 percent, then that's a serious problem that needs to be addressed eventually at, at some at some some manner. And it's going to be it's going to be addressed. Um, but it's it's, a, it's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate because. I understand in this position, you got to you got to play your position, and in this in this situation, those senior guys and column they played their position, and I played my position, and that's kind of what you do. You don't really ask ask too many questions because there's a there's a fear of blowback. And Mr. Bigelow, I have to say, he has a tenacity of firing people for anything, and it's very heavily documented on I think Glassdoor.com, the reviews of his tenacity. Of firing people, even in the new Skinwalker of the Pentagon's book, Colin mentions how Bigelow is known for being pretty vicious at firing people. So you had to walk a line, man. And I was brand new with a brand new baby. 2010 in Vegas, the economy was totally trash. I couldn't really rock the boat as much as I would like to and, and ask and, you know, push pressure. I kind of had to shut up and color, you know. Now it's like I got, now, you know, I'm trying to just close these chapters and hold. And, and just that's it. Because like I said before, I, I got kids that one day may come looking for those answers. 
and I want to have those. I want to have all those check marks, you know, off the list, so that way they don't have to worry about anything, you know, because it looks like there's a possibility my long-term exposure on the ranch had negative effects on my health, without a doubt. So, well, and I think even more so now. And I mean, I'm going to touch on this a little bit, but we see like people like Gary Nolan coming out and he's talking about he, he's showing these MRIs on screen of people who have come in contact with with UFOs or the phenomena. And a lot of this looks eerily familiar uh, to some of us when we see some of these images and and the fact that they are they might hit closer to home. I don't know if you want to talk about any of that at all, but. We've touched on the how you didn't know that there was radiation, but it seems like there was certain elements of the people higher above you that did know that there was and still allowed you to walk around. Not right. only that, they were trying to get you to interface with the phenomenon, interact with it, doing remote viewing experiments and stuff. And it all really starts to connect with the same people that were doing the remote viewing experiments out of Stanford Research. And right. it also connects in and sort of piggybacks with this uh, really spooky elements of other uh, dark programs that we may not even want to discuss because we can get into a lot of trouble if we talk about them. But right. we're talking about the side effects that come in contact with with the phenomena and other covert things that can cause Havana syndrome, like directed right. energy weapons and things. So. Yeah. Do you feel like maybe there's a potential that aside from just doing paranormal stuff, that there was maybe even a, like a bigger umbrella motive that might have been going on that was even more secretive? Or what are your thoughts on that? How Man, I tell you now, you know, if you would have asked me a couple of years ago, I would say absolutely not. You know, I would hate to think that there is some type of outside forces that I couldn't see that um, involved my experiences like it. Somehow, I hate to think that there is outside forces that inhabited my experiences on the property because I had some really unique experiences on the ranch. And I would hate to think that there was some other force that I didn't know about going on. Um, is it a possibility looking at it now? Yeah. And even um, recently in that new um, Toe YouTube video with Stephen Greer, he mentions that. Now, I don't know anything about Stephen Greer, really. But when he said this, it caught my my attention. He says in that interview um, that Colonel Alexander and his cronies or his sidekicks use technology to scare the Shermans off the property so that way Bigelow can purchase the ranch. That's what he said verbatim. So that makes me wonder, when NIDS was out there, a group of scientists, was that technology still used on them, unbeknownst to them, as a control group, because now if you can fool the scientific community in believing they're seeing portals open up and creatures coming out, then you can fool anyone. If you can fool the scientific community, you can fool them. And what happens? Eventually that funding gets gets drawn out and goes away and NIDS disbands in 2004. Mm. And then boom, all sap erupts in 2008 when James Lekatsky comes out there from the DIA. And now you have another control group out there this time, military veterans in the same environment, having the same experiences. And so now you have a different control group. So you have the scientific control group. You have the military one. And now look what happens right now as we're talking. You have the civilian control group. Because what happens in 26, 2015 when Hal put off 
and Kit Green reach out to Brandon Fugel and say, hey, would you like to buy Skinwalker Ranch? Why are they involved in that type of communication where they're, both of them are from the CIA? They're not, they're not working for Bigelow, right? That's Bigelow's property. So you would think Bigelow would reach out and say, hey, who wants to buy my property? But that's not what happened. So then now it makes you wonder, is the project still going now on a different level where now you're having a massive group of people who are manipulated on a different level? So I hate to think that, but if you follow the trails and you follow the money, and if, and if you've been doing the research, which we've been doing, and we're talking about it because it's going to come out eventually, um, there's some questions there. There's some serious questions there that I, hopefully one day gets answered. I agree. What do you think it means when they say something like technology was used when, when Greer drops a bombshell like that and says, technology was utilized on the Shermans to push them off of Skinwalker Ranch and to scare yeah. them off. And and this is Greer, who he's infamous for talking about Project Bluebeam, which is like a holographic right. technology. But you're talking about how put off and these guys that come from the Stanford Research Institute who are in the business of projecting thoughts into people's minds, implant yeah. like literal inception where you're implanting psychic um, ideas into people's minds, mm -hmm. uh, implanting ideas, reverse remote viewing, remote viewing, telepathy, all of that kind of stuff. So it, does it make you wonder if while you're sitting there trying to levitate a button in a jar in Homestead 2, if there wasn't maybe an attempt to either use technology at the same time that could have had some side effects or has that... I mean, that's and been that, something that we've discussed, but right. we've never really that, talked about publicly. Right. Yeah. Now, now it makes more sense because, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, hanging out with you in uh, Utah, we talked about Project Stargate. It looks like Project Stargate never ended. It ended in 95 officially. But what happens in 95? Hal Putoff, who was in charge of that project, gets in, gets in touch with Bigelow. And that's what brings us to Mount Wilson. And Skinwalker, they all link up together, and it's about this remote viewing project. And then you have us on Skinwalker doing remote viewing projects. You know, it's just it's it's all there in plain sight. You know, and the difference is we didn't know anything about that, and that's where the problem's at. Right. It's like we didn't know about the radiation, we didn't know about this, we didn't know about that. We just basically walked around like a lab rat, you know. And that really doesn't sit well with me. I don't think it would sit. I don't think it would sit well with anyone in my in my position. You know, coming from my background and what I've done before going to Skinwalker, you know, I was involved in a lot of really important projects that I can never even talk about. And then now I'm being used as basically cannon fodder. <laughs> I tell you, right. man, it, it really, these last couple of years of my life have been a nightmare to a point because I've lost a lot of sleep over this shit. And um, it's, it's made me angry at times, and I've had to do a lot of meditation practices that bring my levels down and, and really kind of vibe in a more positive direction because I don't like to really think about that past because, man, it kind of puts me in a dark place. But now, like I said before, me and you guys and stuff, because for the longest time it was just me with all this weight on my shoulders and all these questions, and I was getting nowhere. There was nobody helping me. And I felt right. like I was just losing my mind, you know, and now I feel way more connected and I feel a lot better. And, um, you know, we're slowly getting more and more answers. 
Speaking of which, about losing your mind, did, did you ever get an MRI done, Chris? Yes, I did. I actually got an MRI back in August of 2011. Um, <laughs> you want me to, I mean, I, I, can I can you talk about it. Do you mind talking I, about it? Yeah, because it's, it's, I have the, I, yeah, I'll talk about it because it's true and, and it's very important to this conversation. It's totally your story. I don't want to share what you don't want to share yet. But no, it's, it's, it's important. It's important because it's it's what leads me to more questions because honestly, I kind of forgot all about it. You know, Up until 2019, I had forgot all about my MRI that I had done in 2011. So basically, August of 2011, I'm flown to Reno, Nevada, got an MRI done, me and another officer. Uh, was picked up at the MRI Diagnostic Center in Reno. And that's how me and James got connections because his father lives out in Reno and he actually did boots on the ground uh, investigation stuff for me during this time when I started reaching out to him. And we started piecing, we started putting puzzles together long before all this stuff, or when before me and you met. Anyway, so I had the MRI done and then I was picked up at the Reno Diagnostic Center and flown back to Las Vegas and that was it never was told about the results. And I kind of gave my, my supervisor a loaded question uh, two weeks later after the, the MRI was done. I was like, hey, what was the results of my MRI? Knowing he shouldn't know, because he's not a medical professional. He's a security guy like myself. He said, oh, everything came back good. <laughs> I was like, how would you know that? How would you know about my MRI? But this again, this is back in 2011, you know, Bigelow, I, I don't have any ill will against Bigelow. I feel like Bigelow has been left out of the circle. A lot of the stuff and people have been manipulating them. So, but I didn't want to risk it, you know, getting fired. So I just kind of left it at that. And did, I didn't even think about it after that. After that incident, I didn't really think about my MRI ever again. And then it wasn't until 2019 where all this stuff came out. And I'm like, okay. And then I called Reno and I got my copy of my MRI. And so when you, I got my, you actually have a copy of yep. that. So does it, does it look familiar to what you see Gary Nolan parading around on Fox News? Yes, it does. It does. And, uh, it, 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 you know, imagine my shock. I'm at work and I see uh, Gary Nolan on TV talking about MRIs and experiences to the UFOs and stuff. And I'm like, what the? And then he says the word damage. And I'm like, excuse me? Damage? Nobody told me about any damage to my brain. So that led to me getting my own MRI done here uh, locally. And uh, thankfully, there, I, from what I can see and from what they saw, there was no damages in my brain. But once mm -hmm. again, this is through the VA. So they're only looking for specific things, not like specialty type of stuff, which Gary Nolan would be looking for. Um, so, yeah, that's exactly what happened. And so as of right now, I'm still getting medically tested. Uh, through the VA and stuff, just to kind of track my my health, just in case something does end up happening. Um, I did have like a, a anomaly with my uh, thyroid problem, so I'm still trying to figure that with the with the VA and figure out what what to do. And it's being monitored right now. That's but and then when I reached out to my other fellow uh, guys who worked at the ranch and I asked them because we all talked, I'm like, hey, are you guys having MRIs? Who got MRI? And, there was only a very small niche of us who got MRIs. Yeah. And almost, but, but I will say this, almost everybody I've talked to has a thyroid problem or a thyroid abnormality. So, and we all worked at the same location. Hmm. So I don't, I don't know. It's, and I'm not just making it up. I have medical documentation to, to prove it. But so that's, this is where the, this is where the red flags come in. And this is where conversations need to happen. 
and accountability needs to happen. And somebody needs to come talk to me face to face and say, what was going on during that time? Because until then, if that's not going to happen, then I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing and collecting more and more evidence and talking to more and more people. And eventually it's going to bolt to a head. It is. I'm just, like I said, I'm just trying to close a chapter. That's, that is it. Totally. I don't want to even, I don't want to even talk. I don't want to worry about this stuff anymore. I want to focus more on the Mount Wilson stuff and adventures in magic Mesa. I, there's And, and that kind of brings my point to Skinwalker. Hmm. The, the history of Skinwalker ranch is more important than a TV show, than my photography, than a government contract. It's more important than my MRI, any of that stuff. It's real history, indigenous culture history that is embedded in that environment. And that energy, that frequency, that vibration is displaced in the natural environment. And when you go out there and you experience it and feel it for yourself, it's undeniable. And all that is, and all these locations have the same exact connection with the with the phenomena what we call the phenomena what the indigenous people called their culture you have mckee spring mcconkey ranch blind frog ranch dark canyon nine mile canyon skinwalker ranch mount wilson even the places i went to in montana the red gate here in kansas flint hills it's all native american based foundation there with all the phenomena it's like staring at your face but people want to look for the most complicated answers when the sometimes the simplest answer is right there in front of your face. The problem is we've been programmed not to believe that, you know, it, these ancient cultures had a deeper connection than any of us could ever imagine because they were so in tune to the environment. And that's why when I, when we talk about the stuff with my MRI and these experiments at Skinwalker, it's like, yeah, I did all this stuff and I went through all this stuff and it's messed up. And there's people that were manipulating us and not telling us, obviously, what was going on. But I feel sorry for them because they never got to experience the ranch like I did and tap into that frequency because it altered my whole perception and my consciousness on a whole different level. Because I was out there meditating and, and, and immersing myself in the environment. It really opened up my consciousness onto a level that they will never understand because they were scared to death of that property. And I know why, because it can, it can be very scary out there alone. Hmm. but I was very fortunate to experience the ranch on a positive level. And that's my primary focus. So all this stuff in my past, it's going to come out in the wash eventually. It, it's going to have to, you know, yeah. I don't see how it's not, it's going to be just like uh, um, MK ultra, you know, that came out recently that it was a real CIA experiment who, by the way, guess who was involved in that? How put off. How put off. <laughs> Yeah. It's the same players and all the stuff, you know. And the and the time will come when maybe we'll be able to have full disclosure on everything that we know about that and how literally it's all connected all the way back. And uh right. but that's now's not the time. You have things coming where you're gonna, you know, Trojan horse all of this in the right way and, and yeah. the way that it needs to be done. And so we need to all treat that with delicacy. And I just felt like it was really important that people understand because the research that we're doing now at Mount Wilson Ranch and when and what we're doing, uh, the side work that we're doing for with Brandon Fugel's uh, collaboration and support uh, revolving around Skinwalker Ranch, why uh, that comes with this foundation of trying to get answers as to what was going on during those years that you were working there. And then the mind-blowing discovery that it was going on way before that at Mount Wilson Ranch and maybe even other locations. And it wasn't just UFOs and 
looking for ghosts. There was all these different levels of possible research, experimentation, remote yeah. viewing, psychic spying, and this whole soup of things that was going on. And we've slowly been unraveling that. But like you said, what's fascinating is that the truth always seems to penetrate through. And that is that now that you're separating all the the bullshit out of it and clearing the fog and cutting through it, you know, they're they're finding petroglyphs that have never been discovered on Skinwalker Ranch. Right. They're finding deeper and deeper Native American artifacts and paleo artifacts and things that go all the way back that tie this phenomenon into something much more interesting to me that actually uh, taps into the actual fabric of reality and our understanding of the universe and how mm -hmm. even linear time is an illusion and all of those things become very fascinating and interesting. And all the research that you are doing as a, as a security guy at Skinwalker Ranch is just like a, like a stone skipping across the pond from this deep ocean of what's really going on there. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, what's fascinating is that we've had to kind of start at the beginning and, and we, we literally, we met up there, up in the Uinta Basin near Skinwalker Ranch. And we basically were like, Chris, we're going to do this right. And we've been doing that ever since. Instead of just being like a guinea pig, how do we, how do we approach this phenomenon knowing what you know now, having worked at all these jobs and stuff? How do we use remote viewing and do it the right way where you're an active participant doing it on your own terms? Where do we go where we have access to the phenomena where we can explore it, you know? And we've been picking at this ever since. So we've been up through petroglyphs and pictographs, ancient caves and aquifer sites, studying EMF spectrums, radiation spectrums, doing metal detecting, going <laughs> underground in the abandoned mine shafts. I mean, you name it. Yeah. So like, but a lot of this, the backbone of it, Chris, like it or not, revolves around helping you heal and get answers to these yeah. questions because you were uh, uh, were thrown in the middle of this and then and not given any answers. And right. a lot and, and of people also, out there have the same questions. You know? and, yeah, and I'll add that it's not just like I'm representing not just myself. I'm representing a small group of individuals who are on Skinwalker during that time who I've reached out to. And, and most of them don't really want to talk about that time or just want to bury that past. And that's their, that's their right to do that. Um, but I don't want to be 75 years old sitting at home watching Fox news or CNN and seeing like MK ultra at Skinwalker ranch. And I, and I, and then I'm too old to even care or do anything about it. And then my kids are looking at me like, what the hell? And then I'm looking at them like, what the, it's just, it's, it's a situation I want to avoid. So that's why I have to be, uh, uh, keep going forward, not just for myself, but for the other people involved. And that might also include some of the NIDS guys as well. If we're talking about going back to what we were saying before, we're, according to Stephen Greer, Colonel Alexander is using equipment to scare the Shermans off. Well, Colonel Alexander wasn't on Skinwalker Ranch all the time. He was very there very rarely. Hmm. But NIDS and those guys were up there more often. So why would he not use that equipment on, on a group of scientists who don't have a background in military or investigations or police work at all. They're basically, I feel more sorry for them because they might've been the first manipulations after the Shermans. Mm. If we're looking at it at a bigger space. So they might have questions as well, right. but they're probably, they're probably too afraid to say anything about it. 
and then you have a group of military guys up there. It's it, it's if you follow, if you really take a step back and be a patient observer and look, it's pretty obvious that there's a possibility that even if one percent is true, what Stephen Greer is saying, that's a that's a pretty bold statement. If it's not, right. then okay, I guess it's a place where um, where time sits still and there's uh, aliens there and there's portals and all this stuff. But I lived and breathed that property for six years. I never saw any UFOs out there that I would describe as the class A UFO that is reported. You know, I saw a lot of people getting the skinwalker fever that we talked about where they get worked up and they, they think they're seeing something that's not, that can be easily explained, which we had just saw right now with the Wisconsin UFO lights that have been reported for the last couple of days as, as UFOs, when it turns out to be Christmas decorations, you know, it, people got the skinwalker fever because you're dealing with a group of individuals who are fully invested in a one-sided narrative. And those people are easily to manipulate, which is exactly why the CIA is involved in this community, because they view their community as a way that they can get resources and use private sector money, probably to fund their special projects. Right. It's very obvious for me. And I can say that because that's the world I came from. You know, and, I'm the, and when you see that they were even right in the initial interviews, maybe trying to see uh, and groom to see if you're pliable to paranormal suggestions or ideas or if you're open to those types of things, because maybe they're not just looking for them with the right hand. But the left hand over here is also seeing if they can implant false perceptions or right. fake or fake them to see if you can even tell the difference, because, I mean, if you can't tell the difference between uh, like an actual paranormal poltergeist in the room and just a uh, directed energy weapon implanting a hallucination into your mind. If you can't tell the difference, then what is what do they care? They're going to they have control over the paranormal suddenly. And this whole idea of, you know, Project Bluebeam creating holograms in the sky that can fool people. They don't even need to create a hologram that, that you could debunk if they're implanting it with inception right into your brain. You know what right. I mean? Using yeah. fre frequencies, directed uh, frequency devices that implant an image, you know. Mm -hmm. And they were been experimenting with that stuff clear back into the 1960s and before, you know. And what a perfect place to, to do that type of experiment on Skinwalker Ranch when there's already a foundation of paranormal history going back hundreds of years, which relates to Native American history out there. So, yeah, the, the Skinwalker Ranch has reported paranormal history going back hundreds of years ago. So it's a perfect location if they were going to use some type of technology to then blame it on the paranormal when they're using something else. Right. I mean, it seems like like it almost sounds like a science fiction movie, but it has to be. Those questions have to be asked because it's a possibility right. with, when you look at the players involved and then you look at the you really you really dissect the situation. It yeah. pulls back layers. And I'm not saying that my layer is the right layer with Skinwalker Ranch, like with the Native American stuff. I'm just saying it's a small piece of the puzzle, right? Yeah. But it's a layer that I can go out right now and prove to anyone, you know? And we've done that. Me and you've done that, you know? And that connection was ignored the whole time I was on Skinwalker Ranch, mm. which it, it drove me crazy when I was finding artifacts and linking them together with, you know, I, and I, I've said this before on the other podcast, but maybe for people who don't know, uh, back in my time in, in, in 2011, I had a topographical map of the property. And every time I found a, uh, an arrowhead or a grindstone or anything 
out of the ordinary uh, Native American style or even areas of interest, I would grid coordinate on the GPS location on the map. And I found that certain areas on the property had abundance of artifacts also directly linked to people's experiences on the property. Specifically, the Eastern Valley in Skin at Skinwalker Ranch is one of the most important pieces to the property that is completely overlooked. It was totally overlooked by NIDS. They spent zero time out there. They spent most of their time on the western side by the homesteads, and that's mm -hmm. about it. And they didn't go off the beaten path that much because you're dealing with a group of scientists. And we saw that at Mount Wilson, same thing. They didn't hike up a mile and a half, two miles up into an ancient cave. They didn't even know that cave was there, but we found it. Because you got to have that type of true grit if you're going to go out there and really push the envelope and you want real disclosure. You're not going to get disclosure sitting in the basement or sitting at home. you got to go out there and, and go for it and at least attempt to experience something. You know, you get these people who are, are critics or uh, non-believers or haters, whatever you want to say. But those people, you look at what they do and they just basically regurgitate what they read online. They don't ever go in and investigate a location. And if they do, they're only spending one day, two days max. Now, you have to really invest your time into these locations and really just be open to everything and take a second to really absorb the, the environment. And, and it's not a coincidence that these, all these Native American locations had all these people, and there's also magnetic anomalies or the Schumann residents that we mm. that we discovered. They were naturally drawn to these areas for for a reason, and we are to this day too. So, and and uh, it's, it's, it sometimes it gets me a little frustrated because like for all those years on Skinwalker, I was just out there doing my own thing basically, and nobody gave a shit about it, but. I knew it was very important, and I thankfully I kept my own logbooks and journals and, and documentation because it's helped the new team now that's out there, and the new team that's out there now are very open to it. They're not against it. They're Eric Bard, Travis Taylor, all those guys are open-minded to it. They're yeah. trying to figure it out as well, and they're and they've had they have way more resources and backing to do it versus what I had. I had nothing. I had yeah. nothing. Okay, and that's just the honest truth. And that might upset people from my past, but that is the honest to God truth. Um, but you see what Brandon Fugel has brought to the team, and you've got these professionals out there, and he's bringing more and more professionals out there. They're trying to figure the stuff out. And they're doing a pretty damn good job because I've learned stuff just talking to those guys and being back out there and helping out. And I love it. I love going back out there. That's really what's been amazing is like uh, bringing it all full circle from your first experience working there and then being able to retrace some of the steps and figure out maybe and put some of the puzzle pieces together as to what you were doing before. But now you have this opportunity to sort it out and be like, okay, so you're having these experiences at Skinwalker Ranch and even before you're having uh, strange things that you see, experiences that you've had that, that you would classify as paranormal. And there is an element of the job where you are having these things happen <clears throat> in one of the places that is known for now being one of the most paranormal hotspots on the planet. And so the question is, is what out of all of it was real? What of it is actually valid? Where is it coming from? Is it coming from another planet? Is it really UFOs and flying saucers and extraterrestrials? Right. Is it another dimension? Is it a, a geological anomaly that's creating ripples in in our dimension of time or something space time um all these questions come to the forefront but now we have this beautiful opportunity where 
you're not a guinea pig anymore. Hopefully we're not. Right. right? <laughs> hopefully yeah. we're not. We're trying to take measures to at least be self-aware. We're using meditation. We check in on each other and talk to each other and all that stuff. And we work together all out in the open and talk about it now so we can explore this stuff. So now you and I can do remote viewing experiments. We can do mm -hmm. meditations and we can revisit all of this stuff and actually sort out what was experimentation where things may have been like implanted or suggested to you versus what is real with the phenomena. And not only that, we get to go to these places where they were originally studied by the original teams, by right. Bigelow and Hal Putoff and all of that and try to figure out if that's what they were doing. And that's kind of what brings this whole conversation full circle and what we're figuring out is that aside from just looking for UFOs, that seems to be like if you were going to take the whole stack and there was a cover sheet, it's going to look like it's all about UFOs, right? Right. But when you actually dig in the whole file and everything is about consciousness, about human potential and human abilities with um, psychic abilities and telepathy and remote viewing and seeing into other dimensions of reality. And that's where the UFO stuff comes in and extraterrestrials come in is that these places like Skinwalker Ranch, Mount Wilson Ranch and all this stuff that seems to be revolving around UFOs, they were all using telepathy and psychic spy means and remote viewing experiments to try and make contact. And I think people miss that whole piece. Mm -hmm. I think, and I don't know why, but now as we approach it, everything that we seem to be finding that's real and valid has to do with like what you're saying, this energy frequency and vibration that gets displaced in an environment through the uniqueness of the geology that somehow acts almost like a recorder, almost like a hard drive to yes. where hundreds, if not thousands of people are slaughtered in this valley and this massacre and this yeah. cur curse is placed upon the land and the psychic energy is literally consciousness is imprinted upon the land and the area, just like you would almost write on a hard drive or record something on a CD or a laser disc. Mm -hmm. And then we go into those environments and we open up your mind with remote viewing or with altered states of consciousness or meditation. And suddenly you're tapping into that frequency and vibration and it can be experienced as paranormal or as a time loop or as a vision or something like that. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that and how we've come full circle about to what's real because you keep touching on that. It's all seems to come back to this Native American presence, presence and, and energy in the land. Yeah, that is the perfect way to describe it right there. That, that was my primary focus out there. And that was my theory about, about being out there that the that history is embedded in the environment because specifically at Skinwalker Ranch or not only the Skinwalker Ranch, but that whole Uinta Basin, that northeastern corner, you have the Walker Wars with Chief Walker and you have the Black Hawk Wars that happened throughout that whole valley. The Black Hawk Wars lasted almost seven years. And the result of that was over was over 200 Mormons were killed and only 20 percent of the Ute population survived. That whole conflict, that negative energy is embedded in that environment and that history is out there and it's not talked about but when you go out there you can feel it and so then you have the curse on skinwalker ranch and then 
everything and, else. And Chris, we've, we're realizing it goes back even thousands of years, maybe into right. the paleo era, paleo. Into, into desert archaic people yes. were ta talking back when there was woolly mammoth walking around, yes. like yeah. that there's evidence of that popping up everywhere. So, Probably. I mean, we're talking about an imprint that, that goes on and on and on that you walk yeah. in there that has got to affect you, you know. For sure, absolutely, it does. For sure, it does. And that, and that, and it's written in stone. It's written in those petroglyphs that we found last this year. It's written in the artifacts. That's why I've always said, follow the rocks. The rocks are going to tell you what's going on out there. You just have to open your mind up and and follow the evidence. And that was my objective. You know, viewing the the ranch as a crime scene and the evidence that I found led to the conclusion that that that. Everything could be related to the Native American history out there. We 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 think that we need to find some uh, answer to the phenomenon, but it's just part of the culture. And then when I went out and talked to the Native locals out there back in back in my time, they confirmed exactly what we just said. They confirmed it, and they know about the they know about the land, they know about the property, they they, they know about the history. But the difference is, Skinwalker Ranch has been uh, basically um, infiltrated for the last twenty plus years, thirty plus years. With people who don't have that mindset you know they just don't they have a scientific mindset and you, that's great to a point scientific evidence is absolutely critical but you got to have a, a spiritual aspect to this as well you got to be open-minded if you go out there with an ego you're going to get checked i'll tell you that i promise you that i saw that firsthand and i think some of these people in the community that are involved in these in these programs and stuff they have a big ego so they're easily to be manipulated and they don't want to be wrong about a situation. They got to let that ego go. You got to have no ego in this situation or in this field. You have people on the community that 100% believe it's all UFOs, right? And then you have another half that doesn't believe in anything. There's a common ground there where we all can just have a normal conversation and put the egos aside and just let time um, speak for itself. Eventually it's going to come out. And then, when it comes down to the UFO aspect, um, if it comes out tomorrow that there's aliens coming here for thousands of years, what are you going to do? Are you going to stop paying your taxes tomorrow? Are you not going to go to work? Like, how is that going to really affect you on a daily day basis? You still have a family to feed. I mean, great. You have answers. Is it the answers you're invested in? That's the that's what you got to ask yourself. Because sometimes when you dig in like we have, some of the answers we thought weren't the ones that we found and that right. was like whoa okay we had to change our mindset here a little bit you know and i've had the unique opportunity to have a different perspective perceptive perception because of where i used to work at before coming to skinwalker i didn't spend much time staring at the skies because i had a pretty good knowledge of what was out there to a to an extent but i, I and i couldn't but i couldn't control what was in the skies you know obviously i can only observe what's in the skies I could control it on the ground, and that was my major focus, finding the hard evidence. And it right. was completely overlooked. And even this, um, they did a really good job, too, researching the property. But investigating the property, they don't have the background to, to – to, that word investigator gets tossed around pretty easily in the community. But unless you've been actually trained in, in some type of investigations or private investigator or federal law enforcement – I, I want to use that term so so loosely because um, it was very obvious when I can go back out there and find people in the, in the environment in Vernal and stuff who have contradictive stories about what was going on back during that time. You know, right. it, it just boils down to 
research. If you want to research into a one-sided narrative, that's what you're going to always get, a one-sided answer. you got to be open to everything. Do you, find it, do you find it interesting, Chris, now, I mean, that we're having this conversation that, that Bigelow and Colum and these guys, everybody that was originally involved with Skinwalker Ranch, apparently looking for skinwalkers and UFOs, what are they all doing now today? If you, we, we went and asked them, what are they actually researching now? Like it's the yeah. big thing. Right. The, the life after death consciousness is what their main focus is. And it all goes full circle. It goes back to the Mount Wilson. It goes back to Project Stargate with Halfoot Off. It goes back to Skinwalker. It all goes full circle. The consciousness. What happens after we leave this plane of existence? Right. Does our energy go somewhere else when we leave this flesh vessel? <laughs> you know, I mean, we're basically giant skin flesh avatars right now. So we're here for a spiritual evolution, basically. That's how I view it. And I used to say this. It was actually, I think I told you about this when I was uh, out there just recently, when my time on Skinwalker Ranch, I noticed that my creativity expanded on a whole different level, like mm -hmm. my creative vision enhanced on a different level, which I can show through my photography throughout the years. But I remember my first business card I made. This is back when I worked at Skinwalker. And it said, the more positive energy you produce on a daily basis is what springs your celestial spirit forward into the future always promote positive energy and i really believe that if you operate and vibrate and produce positive energy and i'm not trying to be like you know hippie hippie whatever but it's true that is what springs your spirit forward into the future if you're going to dwell on negativity in the darkness of the ranch and and you know if all these bad things happen in my life because the ranch you're going to always be in that negative bubble and you'll never get out of it you have to focus your perception on the positivity of things. And that was my focus with my photography on Skinwalker Ranch. I'm like, hey, I'm in an environment where there is negative stuff going on. I'm gonna focus on the positive stuff, but I'm also gonna photograph the negative stuff, the darkness on the property. So I had this yin and yang approach to my photography, specifically at Skinwalker, because I wanted to have, I wanted to capture both of those energies. And throughout the couple of years, I've been posting pictures so people can see that energy, you know, the darkness and the light. And it's about what you invest in. And if you invest on the positivity, that's going to spring, that's going to elevate your consciousness. You've got to have a very positive mindset. And that's 100%, Chris, what we're figuring out. Uh, I mean, wouldn't you say what we're discovering, what Skinwalker Ranch and some of these places and Mount Wilson Ranch were actually all about was this idea that, while on the surface, it was like they were looking for UFOs and hoping to make contact, trying to right. pen penetrate and see into other dimensions and what have you, like that MK Ultra type stuff, right? Right. Um, <laughs> Stranger Things type stuff. Right. But on the other hand, you've got this team of psychic spies in the middle of the Cold War trying to find locations on planet Earth or in the United States where they could go and sit that had this amplified resonant frequency where you could go and sit as a remote viewer or a psychic spy working for the government or one of these programs and actually like let's say if you're someone like ingo swan who's a a, a professional paid remote viewer working for hal put off and the government trying to find you know stuff and during the cold war for the government 
And and if he was getting, let's say, 60 to 65 percent accuracy, and which is amazing using mm-hmm. telep- telepathy, if you could go to a place like Mount Wilson Ranch or somehow harness the earth energy off of a place like Skinwalker Ranch, uh, utilizing doing experiments, if you could discover that you could bring him from 60 percent up to 90 percent, then, wow, you've got basically a, a human crystal ball right you know what i mean and so i mean what are your thoughts on all that now that we've kind of realized that this energy frequency and vibration that has all these paranormal uh qualities to it where you see ghosts and werewolves and and <laughs> dire wolves and ufos flying around like you're seeing right. gl- glimpses of the future and glimpses of the past all swirled together in this weird right. soup of consciousness that occurs yeah. Um, it's almost like they were trying to go sit in that soup in order to uh, give themselves like a superpower or something. So what what do you what are your thoughts on all that now that we've started to figure that out? It's been pretty wild. You know, it's 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 been pretty it's a lot to digest and it's a lot to absorb. But once you really sit back and view it and really drink it in and, and it's pretty mind blowing. It's pretty, it's very interesting, you know, and, um, you know, looking back at my time at Skinwalker, I would never even thought that ever as a narrative until meeting you and everybody else. And, and our last trip to Mount Wilson really put it all together when we were discovering that Schumann frequency and we all felt different out there, you know, to a point. And then we found areas that were like, Whoa, the geology out here is, rich with quartz and crystals and that old ancient cave and stuff and you can feel that energy out there and then we did the experiments and stuff and it was just very uh solidifying basically like wow this came full circle for me it was a huge healing process you know at first chris lato he kind of mentioned i was holding on too much anger and he's right i, I definitely was holding on too much anger but i have i have rights to hold on to anger because that's what keeps me going sometimes I know I talk about positivity, and I do. I really try to s- strive for a positive um, forward movement, but I hold on to some of that anger so that way I stay motivated to not just give up and say, okay, I guess I'll wait till I'm 70 years old to figure everything out. Because there's been several times I've just thought about closing up all the chapters in my life on my own and then just um, worrying about college football or eating hot dogs. You know, I can never go back to that world, ever, never. Psychologically, I can never go back. Um, you know, and then uh, Taras Matla with the University of Maryland has helped me out tremendously um, with uh, my art exhibit and securing my my vision in that gallery forever. It's something that my kids can go back. So it's kind of crazy to see what my time on Skinwalker has led to these other paths of consciousness and awareness and meeting people on the same level. And it's it, once you view that, once you understand that, you kind of see the whole world in a whole different spectrum. Hmm. You realize that there's some people that aren't on the spiritual path that you were on and you might need to help them along the way. And there's people you'll encounter that are super negative and part of your energy is to help elevate their frequency and their vibration. Um, Nikola Tesla says, you know, to understand the universe, you must think everything and energy, frequency, and vibration. I think what he meant was to understand even this plane of existence, you must also think about that in your mind, operating in that positive energy, frequency, and vibration, because this is your universe. We, this is our current reality. So you must elevate your frequency on that positive level. So um, it's been pretty cool meeting you. And I, it wasn't just for by chance. It all was for, for a reason. 
it's helped me a lot to heal and stuff. So it's been, it's been awesome. It has. We we keep talking about all these synchronicities and and you know quantum entanglement stuff keeps coming up all the time. Uh, these coincidences that tie all of this together that help us answer the questions and put the pieces together. The serendipities are just nonstop sometimes, especially when we're getting closer and closer to like a, a research expedition or something. It right. seems like that those synchronicities get really interesting, but it, that's what's fascinating to me is that it doesn't cut out the question of UFOs. It doesn't cut out the question of extraterrestrials because here's what we're finding is like we go to these locations, even Skinwalker Ranch, even now Mount Wilson Ranch, all of these spots that I've been to that I've had uh, paranormal experiences of my own um, there's always this ancient Native American presence. There's ancient petroglyphs there, clues that there was a reason that people were drawn and mm -hmm. tapping into the energy of these locations for their uh, religious beliefs and, and their perspective. And they talk about the star people. They talk about, you know, entities from other dimensions and their gods that came through and communicated with them and talked to right. them, uh, coming through portals and communicating. So there is this aspect of it that is somehow kind of real. And lo and behold, what do we find like around at Skinwalker Ranch, but there could potentially be stone circles and Native American stuff at Skinwalker Ranch. Well, we know now there's petroglyphs there for sure, mm -hmm. but uh, a lot of stuff that, that went on there. But even at Mount Wilson, there's these ritual stone circles and these uh, caves and different types of geological things that are intentionally tapped into by the indigenous people. And now we're finding with infrasound and EEG tests and stuff that these locations actually have interesting energy and power to them. And now Chris and I get to go like explore these with our, uh, with our wits about us, not as guinea pigs, but <clears throat> you know, we get to go do it on our own. So yeah. um, that's been really cool bringing Brent and I need to get him back on the podcast and, talk about that too. But, you know, did you ever have any, like when you were at Skinwalker Ranch, did you put any headsets on or use any kind of like e equipment to try and amplify your remote viewing? Cause I'm like, I'm actually wearing his Brent's one of his things right now around my neck, yeah. his, uh, his magnetic pulser, you know, yeah. that's I have to... it over here on my table. Yeah. I have yeah. it next to my table over here. Um, we never used anything like that at all. You know, I know when I started getting into my own stuff out there of meditation and stuff, um, there's some selenite crystals I found uh, adjacent to Homestead 2 on the mound. And I used those crystals to kind of hold in my hand to do some meditation. And I felt like um, some of my astral projecting that I would try to do, um, it kind of maybe felt like an enhancement and stuff like that. And sometimes when I found the artifacts out there, the arrowheads and the grass, I would hold on to those rocks and just sit there and take a moment to absorb that energy. And, and I would say out loud, you know, what do you want me to, what, you know, what do you want to show me? I felt like I was being guided out there sometimes. Yeah. And um, doing that, I felt like enhanced my consciousness, taking the time to appreciate that stone, those elements, and then absorbing that energy into your body or into your type of consciousness. That was very important. But as far as like being provided equipment by the company and stuff like that, that never, no, we didn't have anything like that. Um, uh, but yeah, I just took it upon myself to kind of do that. 
a lot. You know, I did a lot of meditation while I was out there. It really helped me focus a lot on my on my day to day stuff. And um, it's something I still practice today. I still practice meditation today. That's why I do some of my foot photography. I'll do like a meditation session, and then I'll go back to our Mount Wilson photography or or pictures, and I'll and I'll see things that I missed, and I'll flip them around, and it'll sometimes create things that were that are there that we didn't see. It's pretty right. cool. Yeah, yeah, it's like when you go through these areas, the the natural resonant energy that vibrates the frequency. Not only can you feel it, but it affects you. It, it like you're saying it like it seems like the time that you spent on Skinwalker Ranch because you didn't sit in the homestead and get consumed yeah. with the darkness. You were out walking around, exploring your artistic abilities. And as you're absorbing that energy of the earth, instead of having all these weird paranormal encounters and stuff, which you do have some, what it did do is it sort of like tapped into your subconscious and amplified your artistic abilities and things and and mm -hmm. uh, maybe even your ability to do things like remote viewing and telepathy. Right. Excuse me. But I mean, that's really what's interesting is because like we said at the beginning, I came at this kind of exploring remote viewing and the gateway method and out of body stuff in intentionally and having experiences. And that led me to this. And you were sort of like a guinea pig thrown into it. And now we get to meet in the middle and say, okay, well now we can use some of this technology, like the mind-to-mind -mind headset that Brent has reverse engineered, <laughs> put this God helmet on, and you and I can go sit in these locations and do meditation and actually see what's real and yeah. what's not. So, I mean, what's that been like for you, revisiting I, all of that in more of a holistic way? It's been pretty. It's been pretty awesome. Like, thank you for bringing the team together. Uh, and, and have you know bring us all together a couple of weeks ago up to Mount Wilson with Chris Lato and, and then Brent Stone. Uh, meeting those guys were very critical, especially Brent Stone. With uh, he's so knowledgeable about not just the stuff that he's into, almost like everything. You throw anything at him, and he's knowledgeable about it. Kind of like James Keenan, same thing. Very knowledgeable about this stuff, and so it's great to be around these professionals. That whole term you know, iron sharpens iron type thing. Be around people who are going to enhance you. I feel like we're around some of the best people in the field that are just really looking for answers and, and are very open about it. We're not trying to we're not trying to secure information or, or sequester stuff. We're we're telling people exactly what's going on and we're showing them in real time with your videos and my photography and Brent's um, videos and, and Chris Lato's videos. We're we're bringing everybody on board and that's how it should be. That's the only way this topic gets elevated we're not gonna i'm not gonna wait for the government to disclose information uh, the same government that's been sequestering information for 70 years that yeah. seems silly to me that seems ridiculous uh, and people are just begging like begging the government to tell them anything and so if they do tell you are you going to believe it there's going to be a lot of people that believe it right off the bat oh yep it's 100 percent true <laughs> go go ahead and then and then how are you going to know if right. it's just as plausible that they could implant false perceptions into your mind using reverse remote viewing or inception right. tech, or if they can use technology to try and uh, give you those false experiences. What are, what are you actively doing as a person to understand your own mind and consciousness to protect yourself from those types of, of things like you, you did naturally at Skinwalker Ranch, your time there you spent with the dogs out among nature, connecting, 
with the Native American aspects of the of the land and all of that right. in a spiritual sense and in a way created sort of a bubble around you where right. alternatively you saw other coworkers right alongside you, their life kind of fall apart around you, right. you know, or right around them. And so, but as we, as we tap into this and we realize, okay, these guys before Skinwalker Ranch, they were at Mount Wilson Ranch. The same key things are there. We have the same geology, the same abandoned mine shafts, the same weird mineral structure in the, and the aquifer system. And now we're detecting theta waves, um, uh, an amplified Schumann frequency, which is right in that psychic realm that gives you those uh, out-of-body travel experiences that amplifies remote viewing and all of that. And so we're able to to go up there and prove it and see, is this real or is it not? And start to poke at it and test it. It's been really exciting and awesome to get to do that with you because you were part of that original experiment. And now you get to to see and know. But yeah, man, it's just so cool going up there and and uh, getting being able to use the infrasound. And then uh, I haven't even been able to watch the footage when you were hooked up, but we put you on an EEG headset and actually did meditation yeah. and got to see Chris's brain as he was doing meditation. And then we traded and did the same thing when we, we yeah. um, got to actually visually three dimensionally see our brain waves yeah. as we as we actually tried to make contact. So. I mean, that yeah. was pretty awesome, man. Um, so Brent, when that happened, Brent, when I put the device on, within like five minutes, the whole device drained when he put it on me. Really? <laughs> and he was like, what in the heck? And I was just like, wow, we only got a little bit of footage of my brain scan, but I can't wait when you produce and you show people your scan because that was pretty unbelievable. It was amazing. Total solidation of, of exactly what we're talking about today, you know. And uh, it was great to, to see that. And that kind of brings me around full circle about disclosure and, and time spent. The only thing that we have is time, time well spent. If you're going to waste time waiting for the government to disclose information, you're going to waste your time. But you have doing things that we were doing, investing our time and to try to elevate our consciousness and doing these experiments, I feel is important. And anybody can do that. Anybody can go out in their local areas and explore indigenous cultures of the past and dig into that atmosphere. And that's where you're going to find the answers. So at the end of the day, I'd focus on time well spent. That's the only thing that we have on this planet is time and use it wisely. And I, that trip in Mount Wilson was very time well spent. And we used it from the moment we got up until the moment we went to bed. We're out there just like the one in June when it was me and you and James Keenan. We were up every morning, six o'clock in bed, two o'clock in the morning. We we're out every single and we used that time wisely. And we've got so much evidence and, and data collecting. It's so important in all this stuff. Yeah, that's the whole thing is that you can sit around and you can wait for a disclosure to happen and for some other agency or entity to kind of come out and say, this is what we've got. And then you're never going to know if it's real or not. Right. You're not going to know if you can trust the source or if it's part of just propaganda or some alternative reason that they have. You really don't know. But what you can do is step back and realize that all of these guys that are really where the rubber meets the road, the ones that have been looking at this since the 1960s and so on, they all wind up looking at meditation and consciousness. They all yeah. end up doing consciousness studies and afterlife studies, remote viewing and paranormal type research where they're um, exploring their own qualities of, of 
human awareness into being able to peer beyond default mode into the blind spot or into other dimensions or expand your human potential. Uh, maybe it's about being able to remember past lives or be able to contact ancestors or some higher form of yourself that is trying to reach out to you. We don't really even know yet, but we're having these amazing experiences when we try to go in with good intentions. And I think that's really what's at the core of it is that you don't have to wait for other people. If it comes down to consciousness and awareness, these are all things that you don't have to wait for anybody at, <clears throat> at home. Yeah. You can start practicing and exploring meditation in safe ways on your own and, and become mindful and see what this is all about. So you're not just uh, uh, become duped or become subject to somebody's uh, inception plot or something like that as it unfolds. <laughs> right. <clears throat> Which is all a very real possibility where, that people are talking about uh, all the time, more and more um, mm -hmm. psychological warfare and how that is a how is an aspect of our reality now. Yep. It really is. So I think we've been going a little over an hour and a half now. I just wanted to take a minute. Uh, Chris and I always end up running like two hours and have a ton to say. And we could keep going because we just barely got to Mount Wilson and yeah. talking about that. And we didn't even talk about Magic Mesa and future yeah. plans that we have of all that and what you're going to be doing. But really yeah. quick, I want everybody to make sure and go check out Chris's Patreon and go support him. He just started that up. Make sure and follow him on Instagram. Check out his uh, portfolio on his website where he has all of his amazing photography that most people have never even seen before from his years and work at Skinwalker Ranch right. all over the Uinta Basin and also uh, Mount Wilson. He's got a lot of cool stuff upcoming. So make sure and go follow Chris. And those links are going to be all down in the description below. So if you guys have questions over in the chat, we're going to yep. keep going for just a little bit more if yeah. you're cool. And Absolutely. then, uh, and then we'll go for the night. So I'm going to scroll back up. There has been a few comments earlier that I wanted to catch. Um, let's see here. We got a bunch of comments like uh, Spooky saying, "Chris, you're amazing. Thanks for ser serving." Spooky's Thank you, a, man. He's an awesome dude. I appreciate that. Thank you. Let's see. Um, here we go. Dorothy's curious about the extent of the university's research being involved providing the ex uh, these experiments. How big is the network of people creating manipulative manipulatory ways to control us all? What that's that's a big question. What that's now, a very specific and great question. Yeah. So let's have I a think, go at that one. Uh, <laughs> that that's a pretty that's a good question. Um, we don't know honestly how deep it goes. And I mean, was the moon landing even real? I mean, <laughs> right? It, it, there's so much. There's so much things that could be picked apart. You know, you don't know. You don't know. I mean, there's so many key players in all of this stuff, but there is a key player in, in a lot of the stuff that strings together. And um, um, I think over time, all that will be exposed. I'm assuming. If not, probably not. And who knows? Uh, that's a very good question. Okay, here's a thought. Answer. Here's a thought from Steph. Yeah, I I think the scope of how much there, I think there's active aspects that the CIA's whole job is counterintelligence and controlling the world's perception of reality and what's going on. That really is the psychological matrix. And so, I mean, yeah. it's, it's going to be in the fabric of everything you watch on television. Uh, every time you pick up your phone and the way that you, even when you go around and interact with society, it's, in, it's embedded into everything. Yeah. I think, honestly, 
So this is an interesting question. Do you think if you went in and got more MRI or CAT scans, could there be a potential for artifacts or implants if you were part of experimentation? Yeah, that might be. You know, I got another MRI done uh, in 2020. And I had the VA look at it. And these are VA doctors. So they're only looking for specific things, you know, related to military combat and stuff like that. Um, they didn't find anything out of the ordinary with my MRI. But also, they're only looking, like I said, specific stuff. So that's, that's a good question. You know, I'd like to go get another MRI done here. I probably will pretty soon. Uh, but I might go somewhere else and get it done, uh, private sector here uh, locally and, and then tell them all about this. Cause I told my professional doctor here about my MRI, about my time on Skinwalker, about the radiation. And oddly enough, he actually watched the TV show. So he was very like mind blown, but he also said, this is typical, you know, government type operations where, you know, military veterans don't know they've been exposed to something until years later, which happened with, uh, you know, a agent orange and then the burn pits and, and so on and so on. The list goes on. And mm -hmm. so he was very proactive about uh, me getting follow-ups with my thyroid and the MRI and a sleep study and all kinds of stuff. So I'm still um, going through medical processing right now, like getting more and more stuff done. Side question with that, talking about implants, usually people would say, oh, that's like a extraterrestrial abduction, like an implant. What is your opinion on the percentage when people say they've seen a UFO, how much of that you think is actually our technology like our secret tech versus what could actually be like other dimensional or ufo tech in reality i would say majority or not it's most likely our technology most that, that's most likely our technology i think a lot of it is um the problem is our current state of society is so impatient with everything they want all the answers now 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 you look at the b21 raider that just got released um to the Air Force, and we've probably been sitting on that technology. For, I know we have for a long time, and there's technology out there that's going to be probably rolled out under Space Force. That's going to be pretty amazing technology. So, I would think a lot of it is our technology, you know. Mm -hmm. And, but I will say, before I even joined the Air Force, I had an experience in Kansas as a young kid, where I saw something very odd in the sky. To this day, even with all the areas I've worked at, I don't have a real solid explanation. So the interdimensional aspect of it with Bigfoot and UFOs, I kind of lean more towards that, where it's there for a glimpse, but documenting it is almost impossible, which was the number one problem at Skinwalker, too. We could never really document anything very well hmm. because things always happen in sporadic seconds, like seven seconds max, eight seconds, 12 seconds, just enough for you to get your camera out or your video recorder and it's gone. So, uh, I, I, but yes, I believe probably most of it is our technology. Yeah, it really makes you wonder how much of it is. And, and it seems like a lot of it, uh, like uh, unidentified flying stuff, if it's not our drone tech, it seems to be more right. like a orbs or some sort of a strange, more paranormal type of lights phenomena or consciousness. Or I'm, I'm glad whatever. you brought that up. Or, or some kind of a time travel thing that we're misunderstanding where right. maybe maybe future technology somehow slips out of our control like a drone goes off track and winds up at a at the wrong timeline back and we see right. it fly around and crash and recover it. Who knows, you know? 
right? Because in the future, we're going to have eventually advanced technology of AI drones, and and the the human element will be off the battlefield. It'll be AI drones controlling the skies. I'm curious to see how many of those AI drones will report report you know UAP activity that they can explain or identify. Right. That will be interesting. That would me to me be more solid evidence versus a pilot, a human error pilot that maybe is exposed mm. to technology they're not familiar with. And right. I remember when we met with Chris Lato and stuff, and I told him, you know, because he's very into the UAP topic and stuff, and I, I totally support everything he does. He's extremely knowledgeable, the colonel. <laughs> um, but he has a, a background where he hasn't spent time in the Nevada desert and working some of these sites. You know, he's a retired F-16 pilot, but if you look at his history where he worked at, he's never worked in areas where he's been exposed to new technology. And if you look at the list of Navy pilots as well who've reported, uh, you know, weird things in the sky, it's the same thing. They've never worked in these areas as well. So it's no fault to them, but it's a possibility that they may have been exposed to technology unbeknownst to them. Or right. maybe it is interdimensional. Maybe it is something like that. Or maybe it's deep within our oceans or hollow earth. I'm open to all of it or ancient technology that's been here for a long time. Right. Um, but I think when it comes to if it's being blasted on a news channel or being pushed by a certain person or individuals, it's most likely our technology. That's just my opinion. Some kind of a public front to hide right. something deeper. Well, right? yeah, because if you can, if you can say that the UAP narrative is a threat if you can push that down everybody's throat what does that do that increases the defense budget and now right. the military's defense budget increases and then they'll use that money and create technology that we probably already have and they'll roll that out under space force to fight off the uap threat and then um they'll use that technology against china and russia and our adversaries we can't when it comes to people saying the uap threat i have a very hard time with that because we have heart disease in this country that kills 650,000 people, Americans alone, a year. We have 22 veterans a day that commit suicide. Yeah. 22 veterans a day commit suicide. And we want to talk about UAPs being a threat. How many UAPs have killed anyone? None that I know of. So when people throw this threat thing around, uh, to me, they're pushing a narrative. There's more bigger threats than the UAP narrative. It's There's... Yeah. And it, and it honestly seems to be like the threat might be a lot more of their secret programs, because when you really look, it looks like a lot of the reason disclosure is a problem is because of all the unethical stuff that they were doing, not necessarily that they're hiding UFOs. Right. The military does it all <laughs> the time. That's a sad the truth. That's a sad truth. But if you're in the military, the military does all the military does all the time where we bounce back on each other, where we test new technology out on each other. And the Navy coming out recently and saying they're mad about the Air Force not disclosing technology. Well, well, yeah, that's that's the whole part of air power global dominance is to keep everyone in the dark, including our own allies. We have to because that keeps us on the tactical warfront edge. And that's the people don't understand. There's a long game. There's a long game being played here with a military industrial complex. They're playing the long game. And the long game is that the U.S. will maintain control of the globe as long as it can. And the way it's going to do that is through advanced air power. They have to keep it a secret. And controlling perceptions. And you know, Perceptions and deceptions, for sure. Yes. Yeah, that's 100%. the name of the game. And people might not like that answer, but that's the honest to God truth. 
That's just yeah. it. So that's that boils down to investing your time. Don't waste your time with it. Invest in something else. That that's the hard thing is like when when you start like when people start throwing at you is did did we actually go to the moon or not or right. whatever and all that. You can question that till you're blue in the face, but the truth is it is really easy to just pretend like you went and not <laughs> spend all the money and just tell a lie. It would mm-hmm. be really easy to do that and to make the other countries go bankrupt trying to actually do it. It'd be like a big bluff, a big bluff. You know what I mean? But I mean, yeah. we're all about that with Project Paperclip and the whole Hollywood getting in with Disney and well, the I mean, CIA look at, and all that. It's crazy. The, the FBI, you know, the FBI coming down, the the, the guy who um, who operated in Rachel, Nevada with the uh, Area 51 website and the same FBI who used taxpayer money to censor people on Twitter and stuff like that. It's like, you want to trust the government? So to give you disclosure at the same time, they're sequestering people in real time that's being exposed. It feels like the hypocrisy is unbelievable. It's just, it's, it's mind numbing. It really is, which is why it kind of brings us back. What we keep talking about is this idea. This is what Melanie brings up is, did you find that the longer you were at the ranch, you felt more in tune because you have to cut through all of that propaganda and the lies and the BS and realize, okay, now as I'm sitting here at home, what does this mean to me? And the nightmares that I'm having or yes. the sleep paralysis or the poltergeist or when I go outside, this light that I saw in the sky and then this weird download of information I got. How do I make sense of what's really going yeah. on? And and it really boils down to what Melanie's touching on here. 100%. The longer I felt I was immersed in the environment, the more I felt in tune with the environment. Like people go out to Skinwalker Ranch for a week or whatever. You're not going to learn about Skinwalker Ranch spending a couple of days out there or weeks you have to really invest yourself into this environment to and, and really let your ego go and absorb that environment to understand that place. And it'll change you, enhance you. Um, and that's what I did. I, I really immersed myself and I felt like the longer I was out there, the more I was in tune with the property and the, the overall environment. Right. Which is what, exactly what uh, Stabby Cake says here is that if the resonant consciousness theory is real, then there will be deliverables, which is interesting. What she's talking about is the evidence, right? If mm-hmm. it is, if it does boil down to resonant consciousness, then isn't that what they would rather hide? They would rather have you looking up at the sky for flying saucers and not going inside yourself and doing learning Buddhist meditation. Because what right. if you realize that what they were really doing was remote viewing and out-of-body travel and they were hiding all of that because suddenly they realized that stabby cakes at home can do remote viewing and can read the filing cabinets at the Pentagon. Uh-oh. You know, they don't want a nation and a world of of Dr. Stranges that can remote view and out-of-body travel and fly around on the astral plane because then you've got a bunch of walking crystal balls and they can't hide anything and they've got no secrets, right? A dumbed-down society is an easily controlled society, and that's exactly. the agenda. To keep everybody, don't want you to, everyone blind, right? Yeah, you don't want you to elevate your consciousness, because if you are, then you break away from the matrix, basically. That's, that's 100, true. 100% it's, it's true. That's true. The matrix is psychological. Yeah, it mm-hmm. all has to do with what you believe that you're capable of and yep. and your lack of understanding that your own thoughts, intentions, and emotions actually affect your reality. And it builds the the future of your reality around you. 
Stabby also says that I have one of the sweetest demeanors. <laughs> thank, thank you so much. I would much. agree, Stabby Cakes. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be around. Okay, I'm ripping through these questions really That's quick. <laughs> Let's see. Have you had any crazy nightmares on the ranch? And then are you aware of anyone doing DMT there? I don't know anyone who did, who did DMT out there. Uh, nightmares, yeah. I had a couple crazy nightmares out there. I think everybody did out there. Uh, once, you, once you first got out there and you kind of absorbed that darkness in the beginning and you dwell in that darkness, <clears throat> subconsciously that messes with you, obviously, when, you, when you're sleeping out there as well. Um, the, the main nightmare for me was the reality of nobody's coming out here to help me. <laughs> of like if I get stuck in the Mesa or if I get shot at the gate or if I get mauled by a, a mountain lion out here, that was a day-to-day -day nightmare that I went through. And then having actual conscious nightmares, yeah, I had a couple for sure. Uh, and then until I started finding the artifacts and stuff, and then once my consciousness flipped, it felt like the, I felt like the ranch has this genuine um, consciousness where it knows a person's true self. And if you go out there with ill intentions, or the ego, you're going to get exposed. And so luckily I had a mother who raised me more of a Buddhist mindset. She came from uh, being raised around native tribes in the, in the Southwest at an early age. So those teachings she brought on to me when I was a young kid. So she taught me meditation when I was like eight years old. And that's something I carried with me through my whole professional career in the military and other sites I worked at. And that helped me ground a lot of stuff. And uh, so, um, yeah, once I kind of focus more into the light, the nightmares went away. Hmm. I 100% agree. I think when I started delving into all this, um, I kind of was looking for a, a way to heal myself, too. I was going through, you know, a divorce almost two years ago and, right. and having to reinvent my life and career and understand what I was going through. And it was right after and going through losing my father and everything. And so I start going on these hikes, going to these ancient locations. Same thing. I put myself in these environments where there's these, this resonance and this harmony, this vibration, this ancient location. And what it did was totally cracked open my consciousness. I started having these amazing dreams, amazing visions, even strange hitchhiker paranormal stuff. Um right psychic events and things and 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 not only that these synchronicities to try and get answers to these to these questions that uh led me to find a whole new circle of friends and and colleagues and people like you that are just like me that are going through the same thing trying to get answers and now we've got a lot of uh friends out there and growing community and I think that's really what disclosure is all about is because at the core of it whether somebody's seen a ghost or a UFO or they're struggling with sleep paralysis or even Years ago, like when I had a like a legit Bigfoot encounter in Northern California, right. that lit literally traumatized me. I mean, I, I didn't go camping for almost a year. I was afraid to go out in the woods because of what happened to me. And mm -hmm. you can't get a basis for these types of experiences unless you understand yourself first and you start to understand how you interact with reality and everything yep. around you. And that's really what this is coming down to. And Man, Chris, we've been going for like almost two hours. Uh, it's been such an awesome conversation. We got to go into kind of the, the background and how you got started at Skinwalker Ranch, how it all ties into what we're doing now and, and the healing path of understanding 
the context of what was going on all those years before. Um, I just want to thank you, Chris, for first of all, just for being my friend and trusting me and that we go out on all these expeditions together. And most of all, we've had some awesome experiences being able to meditate together where people don't know this, but Chris and I have like sat in an ancient cave together <laughs> and we've synced up our minds and had kind of shared visionary experiences where I've like seen what Chris was seeing inside a vision while inside an ancient location trying to explore the phenomena itself. And we've had a really some amazing bonding experiences due to that. Yeah. And from the bottom of my heart, Chris, I want to thank you for all of that and for being my friend and, and even just for com coming on the show, man, you're awesome, man. You don't know how much it means to me personally to meet you and some of these other guys. It, it has been a blessing. And uh, I felt like I was being guided on Skinwalker Ranch, find the artifacts. I felt like I was being guided to find you guys and, and all of us linked together because it's, there's a reason why we're all together is because we're trying to really um, evolve and help other people elevate their consciousness as well and going out because we, we we have more stuff planned in the future. So I, I really appreciate sharing my energy with you as well, man. Thanks, Chris. Well, I'm going to let you go so you can get back to your family and your kids right, and everything, get some yeah. sleep tonight and uh, appreciate everybody over in the comments. If you want to keep up with the chat, we're on Facebook, Twitter, we're on Instagram chatting all the time. And we're also on Patreon. Make sure and follow us there. We respond to all of our chats there. So, Chris, go enjoy your evening. And thanks, right, everybody else in the chat. And we'll see you guys in the next one. Thank you. See you.